1: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey Molly, this is Spencer, uh 30 uh calling from Washington. Just wanted to um, say how much I appreciate your most recent episode um, on Father Wounds. Um, my dad passed away last fall, and we had a pretty complicated relationship. Um, he was always kind of protected, my mom, um, you know, despite all the abuse that she was kind of leveling at us growing up. And uh, I carried like a lot of anger towards him for a really long time, and, you know, still do, and probably always will. But um, I just really appreciate how you really covered like the full spectrum of. Shitty dads in your episode, Um, because there's just, I think because like they're so, it's so hard for them to uh, express their emotions that just makes them kind of like this this cipher that can be really hard to to decode and to to look at um, honestly. Um, So I just, uh, yeah, just gave me a lot of uh, really good insights just about how. Uh, how I viewed his behavior and its uh, effects on me. So I appreciate that so much. Thanks, Molly.
2: Hi, Molly. Um, My name is Leticia. I'm from Brazil. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for your podcast, especially for the Mother Wound episode. I felt that so, so deeply. I couldn't stop crying for like a day after that, maybe. Every time I thought about it. I just cried. I just really wanted to say that what you're doing is amazing. Thank you so, so much. I am the kind of person that is just dependent on having someone loving me. Every time I'm single, every time I feel like I'm alone or that I don't you know, have as many friends as I, I'd like, I just spiral and I um, just it's really hard for me. So just listening to your podcast has, uh, opened so many eyes inside of me, if I can say that. Um, and I am just so grateful for that. I started pursuing spirituality, uh, at the beginning of this year and I found you not because of, uh, casualty i imagine but because of synchronicity and because i need it so i just wanted to thank you so much because uh i feel like i'm healing my wounds i don't have money to um spend on therapy right now so listening to your podcast has been my my therapy so thank you so much and i hope um yeah my wounds get healed (laughs) Because I can't deal with my mind anymore. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going crazy. Anyways, thank you so much. Love you. Bye. Welcome to Back from the Borderline.
0: I'm your host, Molly, and I don't want to talk to your personality, I want to talk to your soul. The idea of alchemy is to reduce something with fire, burning it down so that something new can rise from the ashes. You can do this with your personality too. You can perform emotional alchemy. You've always had the power. You just didn't know that. And now you do. On this podcast, you'll learn to view your symptoms as saviors, as alerts from your body, mind, and spirit that want to let you know when you're out of alignment with the deepest yearnings of your soul. From chaos comes clarity. Through working... And integrating the concepts we'll explore together, you'll emerge transformed, standing in the ashes of the person you used to be. Welcome back to returning listeners and for people who are new here, welcome. Welcome into the family. I'd really like to thank both Spencer and Letitia for those beautiful voicemails that you sent. It's been a crazy couple of weeks exploring the mother and father wounds. And for those of you who asked me on Instagram and a couple of emails I received, <laughs> I did not actually plan the timing of the father wound episode to coincide so perfectly with the week of Father's Day. But I guess, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. It, it definitely dropped at a good time, but it also may be a bit of a painful time for some people. And I know that the holidays of Mother and Father's Day are really, really difficult for some. It's complicated for many of us who have family histories of generational trauma. In the mother and father wound episodes, which if you haven't listened to those, I do recommend listening to those first before diving into this particular episode because we're gonna take... The healing a little bit further in this episode, but I think it's really important to have an intellectual understanding of the root causes of the mother and father wounds, the generational aspects, and all that stuff before you move into the healing process. I like to think about it as cleaning out a wound. If you have an infected wound or something like that, you're not just going to put a band-aid over it without cleaning it first. Because if you scrape your knee and you just throw a band-aid on it over top of the dirt and the sweat, it's not going to heal. You might cover it up. You won't be able to see the ugliness of the wound, but you're going to be able to feel the pain still. And you're going to Inevitably get an infection. It's going to start throbbing. It's going to get worse in order for a wound to heal. And in order for your body to be able to have the space to be able to heal that wound, you have to clean it out first. You have to really cleanse it with soap and water. Maybe you even need to put a little bit of neosporin on it, or maybe even some wounds need to be cauterized with fire. Sometimes it depends on the severity of the wound, but I'm bringing up this metaphor because those first two episodes were my attempt (laughs) in audio format of cleaning out the wounds. They're probably painful to listen to. They were painful to research and painful to create for me as well, but we have to feel those feelings. We have to dive head first into the pain of it. And be able to sit with that before we can actually and meaningfully begin the process of healing. And I think when we talk about healing too, we have to have a logical and human understanding of what healing actually is. Because especially in the West, when we t- think about healing, it's almost like a magic pill. Healing to us, I think unconsciously, many of us think healed is cured, which means we're never going to feel bad feelings again. We are never going to have the grief that we feel pop up again. And what I've learned in my own journey is that that very thinking is sometimes what keeps us the most stuck. We are wanting to bypass the reality that there is no finish line, there is no cured, there is no healed, there is no magical reality where every relationship in our life is easy and perfect. There is no reality where we don't have to deal with loss and death and grief. There is no reality where we'll never feel a bad quote-unquote bad, big air quotes here, bad emotion again. We need to feel the depth and breadth of the full human experience even be able to appreciate peace and joy and those moments of feeling good because without the bad without the grief without the sadness without the emptiness and despondency we wouldn't have anything to compare and understand the meaning of stillness and joy and contentedness and love and compassion and all of these other more expansive quote-unquote good feelings. Spencer's voicemail made me chuckle because he talked about how he appreciated how I could touch on the full spectrum of shitty dads and mentioning dads as ciphers, like things that we have to decode. And I really liked that metaphor of dads as ciphers and moms as ciphers because in reality that is the way to approach these topics as long as you don't get too obsessive about it I think in terms of trying to decode your past it can become an obsession it can become something that you use to kind of as I mentioned before that word bypassing but there is something really beautiful and powerful about being able to zoom out. I mention that a lot. If you're new here, you may just be hearing me say this for the first time, but long-term listeners will know that I bang on about zooming out and the importance of looking at things in your life and what might be giving you trouble from a 50,000 foot view and looking at it like a scientist, like you're observing someone else's life and sometimes that can give you a little bit of space and remove the main character syndrome that might be actually keeping you from getting to the the core of things and moving through the stuff because something that i've been thinking a lot about in my own recovery journey is what is the balance what's the balance between investigating our mother and father wounds learning about them sitting with the pain of them acting out the grief and anger and processing that in ways that work for you whether that be journaling screaming uh punching pillows and you know whatever other ways we have to express that going to therapy talking to trusted people about it at what point can we move forward in our life? At what point can we maybe not find forgiveness, but acceptance so that we can close that chapter and allow ourselves to move forward and create a new narrative? My biggest fear is becoming a bitter old woman who is just that same bitter old woman complaining about her past and never moving forward and having conversations with people and having people kind of like inner eye roll, like, Oh, when is this like old bitter lady going to stop complaining about her problems? Right. That's in the past. And I feel like that reality really scares me. And so while I'm really, really focused on, The importance of processing the grief, acknowledging it, because as I mentioned, when I discussed the Band-Aid metaphor, we can't just cover it up and go meditate on a mountain and take some ayahuasca and say, I'm healed. We have to be able to really analyze this stuff, go back, because when you go back like a detective into your past and even your parents' past and your grandparents' past, you can start understanding why things were the way they were. Again, it doesn't make it okay but it can help alchemize that toxic shame because the reason why many of us are struggling now is because we think something's wrong with us. And it's like Letitia said in her voicemail, she couldn't stop crying. She's constantly feeling like she's grasping for love and crumbs of love because she feel like she never got that. And moving through this healing process allows you to realize, oh, there was nothing wrong with me. I was born a beautiful, fresh, clean slate and generational trauma. And my family's story made its imprint on me. And I convinced myself as a coping mechanism that I was flawed and broken and something was wrong with me. And I've just been like a bull in a China shop running around in my life, trying to get love. And in that frantic search for love and validation, you may have fallen into addictions. You might have hurt people that you, that you very much loved. You might have turned into a person that you don't even recognize anymore. I'm speaking about this from a place of firsthand experience and deep understanding and reading hundreds of emails, receiving hundreds of voicemails from people just like Spencer and Letitia who are suffering deeply with these things. I'm reading a book right now called Connected Fates, Separate Destinies, Using Family Constellations Therapy to Recover from Inherited Stories and Trauma. And it is by an author named Marine Selene, and I'm probably butchering her name. And if you're listening to this, Maureen, I apologize and you'll get the chance to (laughs) properly pronounce your beautiful, gorgeous French name. When I interview you, I reached out to Maureen this morning on Instagram and asked if she would be willing to come and be a guest on the podcast to specifically talk about the mother wound. And then I would love to do a second episode with her to talk about the father wound through the lens of this therapeutic modality called Family Constellations Therapy and family constellations begins with the premise it didn't start with me and the idea is that many of us become entangled with the unhappiness of those who came before us the people in our life the generations of family members and the idea in family constellations is that this ent- these entanglements mean that we are unconsciously adopting destructive familial patterns of anxiety, depression, emotion dysregulation, illness, and addiction in an attempt to redo our past and fix our family system. I find the work incredibly profound and beautiful. And listening to this book on Audible, it's narrated by the author herself. I've broken down into tears. Many times she provides some absolutely gorgeous exercises and journaling prompts throughout it. And I'm considering working with Maureen directly. And for those of you that don't know me, I don't do a lot of buying of therapy or spending money. I do a lot of just reading books and doing my own self-work. But because of how much this has impacted me and Maureen's words have made a imprint on me, I'm very much considering working with her directly. And I don't recommend things lightly to my listeners. I take it very seriously when I recommend things. And if you resonate deeply with the mother and father wound episodes, I highly recommend that you just start with the book first. Um, I recommend it on Audible, uh, but also I can see why reading the book book would also be good because the one thing I struggle with on Audible sometimes is if there's like journaling prompts or exercises, it's a little bit more difficult when you're hearing it on audio. But the Audible book actually comes with a really great PDF from Maureen as well that I think probably includes some of the exercises. I'm going to have to check it out more. I'll link the book in the episode description. So if you would like to read it, you can check that out. But in line with discussing Maureen's book, something that I just heard as I'm making my way through it, I was listening to it this morning as I was having my coffee, and she started talking about how different the societal approach to the mother and father wound is and how we hold mothers to such a high standard mothers have like the highest bar to hit. And then for fathers, the bar is actually like quite low. And she gave the example of, I don't even know how she said it, but it made me laugh because she said the bar is like on the ground for dads. She gave the example of basically like when a guy changes a diaper historically, I'm not saying that's necessarily now, but imagine like our parents and their parents like when a guy would change a diaper it was like wow such a you're such a good dad or you know just little things that dads do that they would get like a huge pat on the back and then moms just do it they get no acknowledgement for it but then when moms make one fuck up it's like you're a horrible mother and so that gave me a lot to think about because I actually hadn't even considered that is the the bars that we hold for mother, the they're so much higher than the bars for fathers as a general rule. Obviously, that's a very broad statement, but I think that that might give you some food for thought too. I'm also going to be linking in the episode description a book called The Wounded Woman Healing the Father-Daughter Relationship, and it's by a Jungian analyst named Linda Shirsa Leonard. And in the book, she uses dreams, fairy tales, myths, films, and literature, as well as her own experience to expose the wound of the spirit that arises in that father-daughter relationship specifically. So it's a pretty unique book. So if you are a woman experiencing and moving through the father wound, this book will speak to your experience. I can't see it being relevant for anyone who at least didn't grow up as a woman because it's just a very, very specific. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. Again, another book that just had me in tears and gave me so much food for thought. I just want to provide you all with as many resources as possible because as Letitia said in her voicemail, I know that it's really, really hard to be able to therapy right now to get into therapy. I receive so many voicemails and emails from people just like Letitia that either can't afford therapy at all, or they're on some crazy long wait list and they need something now. And it brings me such happiness inside to know that my podcast can be that kind of like Holding room for people who feel like they don't have any resources. And it by no means is a replacement for therapy, but I'm so glad to know that my work can be a complement to therapy and also something that allows people that can't afford therapy to be able to kind of start their own journey. And part of that is being able to share all the resources that I encounter. Behind the scenes, I am spending all of my time reading and absorbing this kind of information. And so if I can provide little shortcuts and be able to give you the best of the resources that I can, that's why I do what I do. So let's move on to the main meat of our episode today. And it's going to be talking about moving through these unresolved feelings about our mothers and fathers and incorporating them into a mindfulness practice and really talking about the recovery from these things, not through the lens of medication, numbing, repressing and suppressing, but from a more spiritual place that's going to ask a lot of us, but has the potential to transform what has been... Probably the biggest barrier or hindrance in our lives, these unresolved feelings about our parents and caregivers, into a powerful teacher. It's allowing us to truly do the work of what this podcast is all about, which is seeing our symptoms as saviors. I've used the work of Philip Moffat to create this part of the episode. And he's a really interesting character. He quit a corporate career and completely dived into spirituality. He's been a guest on some really high-profile podcasts, and he has deeply involved himself in Buddhism. And his particular view of healing the mother and father wound through the lens of spirituality and mindfulness is something that I think can be incredibly powerful for all of us when we choose to follow the path of meditation and mindfulness and we get into spirituality you may have come across a concept called karmic knots i think you all know what karma is Hinduism identifies karma as the relationship between a person's mental or physical actions and the consequences following those actions. And karma in Hinduism also signifies the consequences of all the actions of a person in their current and previous lives and a chain of cause and effect in morality. That's the concept of karma through the lens of Hinduism and Eastern spirituality. So that brings us back to karmic knots. Karmic knots are the physical and emotional traumas that we've accumulated throughout our lifetime. There's also another concept similar to this in Indian philosophy and other Indian religions called samskaras or sanskaras. And in Sanskrit, sanskaras are mental impressions recollections or psychological imprints and samskaras are essentially the basis for the development of karma theory samskaras are the subtle impressions of our past actions so as long as we're alive we continuously perform actions but not all of them contribute to the formation of samskaras actions that we perform with full awareness are the ones that make the greatest impression on our mind so in other words it's the intention behind our actions that give power to the actions through this lens when we think about the etymology of the word samskara the prefix sam actually means well planned well thought out and kara means the action undertaken so samskara means the impression of the impact of the action we perform with full awareness in our goal. So when we perform an action like this, a subtle impression is deposited in our minds. And each time an action is repeated, the impression becomes stronger. And this is how we form habits. And the stronger our habits are, the less mastery we have over our mind when we try to execute an action that's contrary to those patterns which is why it's so hard when we're in our recovery, right? When you say, oh, I'm going to work on splitting. I understand splitting. And then, you know, so-and-so doesn't text you back and then you lose your shit. And you're like, I've done so much work and now I'm back at square one. It's just your biology. You've developed this ingrained mental process that you actually have to really work to get out of. We've all seen how our habit patterns subtly and powerfully motivate our thoughts, speech, and actions. And for me, that looks like really, really talking about myself like I'm the biggest piece of shit. I just had a friend visit me last week, and then Zaz also confronted me about this just this last week, where I just speak about myself so poorly. I'm so hard on myself. I hold myself to such a higher standard than I do to other people. I treat myself so badly, and I would never speak about a friend that I love like I speak about myself. I give people the benefit of the doubt so much more than I give myself. And I also thought about how much I don't give my own parents the benefit of the doubt. I'm way harder on my parents than the average person. And I think that's normal to a certain extent. It's understandable because there's a lot of pain there. It's tender, but nevertheless, it gave me some room for thought. So the idea here with samskaras is that when our habit patterns become so ingrained that they alter our literal body chemistry, this is when we develop addictions. And when these addictions, and that can be patterns of behavior or actual substance addictions, when they become strong enough to alter our thinking process, that's when it's called a samskara in Indian philosophy. The contents of our mind color our perception of ourselves, other people, and the world. So... When I am viewing the world through my traumatized mother-father-wound lens, it's like I'm looking through a window, but there's like a bunch of dead bugs over the window. I'm not actually seeing the true picture. And if that's similar to you, that's probably what you're experiencing as well. So when we're viewing the world through this nasty, disgusting, bug-colored lens with no ability to see the true reality We don't really have a choice but to see ourselves and the world in accordance with these really potent impressions from our past deeds. So when we start a path to explore spirituality, for example, like when you sit down to meditate for a long period of time, it's pretty common to feel physical tension in your body. And this can be caused by stress or maybe old injuries, and sometimes these sensations can manifest as stabbing pains between the shoulder blades, an aching neck. For me, I have a pain in my neck that has quite literally been there for a couple of years now. It pops out, goes away, pops back out, but it's always in the same spot. And something that's been proven is that a lot of our unfinished and unresolved psychological issues and trauma actually do begin to appear as either physical pain or other body sensations, intense emotions, voices, or even disturbing mental images that seem to come out of nowhere. And There's absolutely no way to avoid these experiences. We can suppress, repress, and numb them, but we shouldn't. Because by allowing these sensations and emotions full expression, while we mindfully pay attention to them, it is possible to become free of them. And the idea is that the release of these karmic knots these samskaras, by shining the light of awareness on them, by being able to sit with them instead of avoiding and running away from them. When we do this, these karmic knots can almost unwind in a process that allows our difficult experiences to find resolution and i found it interesting that philip's work echoed that of marines in her family constellation therapy book that i'm reading that i recommended at the beginning of this episode it's all about things are coming back to be resolved Things always want to come to a conclusion. And when I think about that, think about when you like hear a song and like you don't get to hear the last note and you're like, but, but, but I want to know what happens. Same thing like when you're watching a show that you really love and then it gets canceled and you don't even get to like see the next season and you're like very invested. You want to know what happened with the characters. I feel like that plays out a lot in our own lives, And this is how we do it too, right? If we grow up in a dysfunctional environment, so often we end up attracting partners just like our parents. We end up recreating the dynamics in our own household that we experienced. And it's all unconscious. And the idea of these karmic knots is that they're rising back up. They want to be resolved. They want to be noticed so that they can untangle. And the hardest karmic knot to deal with And untangle is that emotional psychological trauma that occurred in our family of origin and this might include our father our mother or both it might have even been trauma caused by a parent who was absent or overbearing or really betrayed us in some way in terms of maybe sexual abuse, emotional abuse, maybe they fail to take action to protect you, or maybe they took too little or too much, too much interest might look like parentification or emotional incest, which is also called like enmeshment. Reminds me of Jeanette McCurdy's book, the book she released after her mom passed away called I'm Glad My Mom Died. I did an episode and book review on that. You can check that out. But that also, too little interest or too much interest. The extremes are never great, and it is hard to find balance. The pain from mother and father wounds are perfect fuel for a spiritual practice and mindfulness exploration. Trauma involving our moms and dads is sometimes referred to that wound concept. The reason why we call it the mother and father wound is because from a spiritual perspective, and I want you all to know, this episode is very spiritual. I'm not speaking through the lens of science, purely rational thought, or the medical model. So I'm asking you just to open your mind here with me and explore. So we speak about the mother and father issues as a wound because it damages something that yogis in particular call the body-mind. And this wound needs proper healing, as we discussed in the beginning. Mother and father wounds can leave a scar or weakness in our body or our emotional makeup. And no wound is charged more for everyone across the gender spectrum than the mother wound. Our relationship with our mother or whoever provided your mothering is the primary relationship in your development and inevitably it will condition much of your life it's easy to assume that if you had difficulty in this relationship you've outgrown it right many people that i've come in contact with especially it'll just be people i encounter out in the wild And they're like, so what do you do? And I say, I'm a podcaster. And they ask, what do I talk about? And sometimes I'm just like, oh, mental health. Because, and then they'll sometimes explore and explore. And I will kind of start inquiring how they view mental health. And they're just like, oh, I'm fine. My childhood was fine. Like, I don't have any complaints, right? And I feel like that is a very common mentality, And those of you who are tuning in right now are probably like, yeah, you've encountered people like that out in in the world. It's probably not you. There's a reason why you, listener, are listening to this podcast. And it's because you are like driven with a hunger to know and understand and heal and talk about deep things. And you probably, like me, encounter small talk with people sometimes and you just want to like smash your head against the table because... It feels like lately, I just want to talk about deep and meaningful things. Small talk is really hard for me, so I encounter lots of people who say, "Like you know, grow up, get over it," you know. But even the people that have that men- that mentality are still, oftentimes, unconsciously driven by these karmic knots, these samskaras. And according to Philip Moffat, his experience as a Dharma teacher. He says that he was surprised to discover how often yogis across the gender spectrum and all different ages report being overwhelmed by unresolved feelings about their mothers. And in the Family Constellations book that I mentioned, Maureen, the author, said the exact same thing. She said, without a doubt, mommy issues are the thing that she speaks to her clients about more than anything else. And people in spiritual traditions very often believe that if we don't acknowledge and make peace with these unresolved feelings about our mothers and fathers, then we force our mother to stay caught forever in our minds and our hearts as this negative mother image, preventing the possibility of having an authentic relationship with her as an adult. And I've explored in other episodes. I can't remember which one, but I think we've talked about it a few times. It's this good mommy, bad mommy thing. The idea is as an adult that we start to develop the ability to explore concepts and see people, places and things in a full spectrum of color. And Seeing the gray area, as we've talked about before, good mommy, bad mommy looks like splitting. It's like your mom is either everything or she is trash. She can't be a flawed human being with strengths and weaknesses and the benefit of the doubt like we might give other people and acknowledging and making peace does not mean forgiving and saying that any kind of abuse or ill treatment is okay. Acknowledging and making peace is not the same as condoning harmful behavior. I want to make that very clear. We have to be angry. We have to move through our grief. But the thing is, is that we can't stay there. Because if we are being fueled by bubbling rage and letting these unresolved wounds run our lives then the only person we're really hurting is ourselves the good news though is that any trauma and that includes the mother and father wounds can be incorporated into a mindfulness practice but i hate to break it to you you can't avoid the suffering that this mindfulness practice will bubble up for you. We're going to be talking a little bit about something called a Dharma. The word Dharma is an ancient Sanskrit word that refers to our soul's purpose. And it's essentially the reason why you're here on this earth, in this body, in this life. And it's not just what you do, but how you do it and why you do it. It's not a career or a project or a role you play. The idea is that it's the unique vibration that your soul carries to everything that you do and the way that you are. So for instance, someone's Dharma can be to bring beauty into the world and how they do it can manifest in thousands of ways, like being an artist, an interior designer, or a hairstylist, something like that, right? So if you're not living your dharma, you might experience feelings of being stuck, like you're taking action, but you're not really moving forward. The future doesn't excite you. You feel like you're just surviving rather than thriving. And when we're not living our dharma, according to the philosophy here, it can be accompanied by feelings of anxiety, depression, unworthiness, or even just feeling off, And conversely, when you are living your dharma, you would experience feelings of satisfaction, peace, you feel like you are expressing and sharing your unique gifts, and that you're touching the lives of the people you're meant to touch. So in these Eastern traditions, the dharma is meant to teach us that while we are on our meditation cushion, all thoughts and feelings can be received and worked with mindfully. There's a series of techniques and reflections that you can use to practice what Philip in this article that I'm referring to calls the yoga of the mother and father wound. So essentially to transform what's been a hindrance in your life into a teacher of the heart, which reminds me a lot of emotional alchemy, right? We're transmuting and Transform doesn't mean fix or make it go away. Instead, you slowly develop a new relationship with these difficulties, these wounds, so that they're no longer a controlling factor in our life, so that they're no longer calling the shots. Because that's why so often we might snap at people or do something we regret and think, what was I thinking? Where was I? It's because you were being unconsciously driven by these karmic knots. So through this work and what he calls the yoga of the mother wound, which I love, it might seem like these wounds eventually become a point of inspiration and deep understanding for you. I'm living proof of this right now. I'm using my pain, alchemizing it to create this work. And through that, I have found deep and meaningful connection. I feel like I'm expressing my very specific uh, gifts. And three years ago, I never would have thought that I would be sitting here right now. No way. So to a certain extent, It's a bit of a radical concept to think about the things that have hurt us in the past could actually contain the seeds of what could eventually liberate us. But it can work, it can be the case because that's my life right now. I used the pain to be the seeds of what liberated me. Two of the most valuable ingredients that we need in a strong spiritual practice especially when it comes to mindfulness and meditation are focused attention and really intense energy. Any highly charged unresolved issue from our past can offer us both of those things. So how exactly do we make deeply charged emotional wounds like the mother and father wounds our yoga? The word yoga has been so westernized at this point that we forget that it actually is a wider definition and not just, you know, body postures that you do at a yoga class as we see it now. The word yoga actually means union. And so therefore it's a union of the individual spirit with the universal spirit of God, the source, whatever you want to call it. And yoga is a combination of practices which divine the way we engage with the world to create harmony. And yoga as a discipline actually means to engage. So we in the West see yoga as a system of physical postures, but actually according to Hindu philosophy, yoga really is a teaching of the suppression of all activity of the body, mind, and will in order that our self, capital S, self, may realize its distinction from them. And so essentially it means it's a practice to realize that your thoughts, your mind, and all these things going on, that's not you. And while in the West, you know, we go and do a series of body postures called yoga to exercise and increase our flexibility, which it absolutely can, the concept and the philosophy of yoga is wider and deeper than that. So for example, you can do breath yoga. You can do different types of yoga that aren't just what we think of as yoga in the West, which is like these downward dog, crow pose, right? These types of things. And so when Philip in this article talks about doing mother wound yoga, that's what he is describing. So how do we do it? Well, we begin by staying alert to the times that we find ourselves clinging, maybe the times that we feel constricted and tight, or maybe when we're caught in wanting in some way to Connect difficulties with our mothers or fathers. So, when those thoughts and feelings and sensations arise, that's when we want to remind ourselves to treat this difficult memory or emotion as part of our mother or father wound yoga practice. The intention is to become more flexible in your emotions, to let loose of anger and defensiveness, and to stop suppressing your feelings and letting them have a very full expression. And just as each posture in maybe something like Hatha yoga, which is what you stereotypically think of as yoga in the West, is a physical form to help our bodies find flexibility, we can also use that same philosophy to move through and address strong emotions around our mother and father wound. And quite literally is how we're talking about it here. In traditional yoga, hatha yoga, you learn to hold a particular pose in a relaxed manner. And after that, it's the form of the pose that then begins to stretch you And when we're talking about yoga of the mother and father wounds, it's the same. It becomes emotional yoga. Each time you encounter tension, difficult feelings, you identify them as being a particular form that has appeared in your mind. It might be a memory, a current frustration that you're having, or a sense that you lack the ability to achieve something at the moment because of how the past has molded you. And instead of pushing them away, picking up your phone, becoming distracted, numbing out, you meet these feelings with compassion, equanimity, and loving kindness. You sit with them. You are no longer a child. You can sit with them now and feel them. It doesn't matter if the thoughts are dark and painful. This is the yoga of softening the heart and surrendering to what's true in the moment. And despite the discomfort that you're going to feel when you want to sit with these feelings, you can be with whatever is arising in your mind. It's only a thought that is emotionally loaded, which in time will pass. And as you begin to do this, you really start to have higher level realizations of the transitory nature of life itself, of your feelings, of relationships, and realize how far you've fallen into grasping and clinging and controlling. When you practice mindfulness of thoughts and emotions, you're practicing what the Buddha taught as the third foundation of mindfulness. Mindfulness practice is, above all else, non-judgmental. So, There's no need to feel guilty or feel shame or any emotions or thoughts that arise. By repeatedly staying with those difficult feelings and body sensations, your perspective of the past shifts entirely. You become far less reactive and more flexible in your emotional responses, It's not that your history is rewritten, but rather that the self experiencing that history is transformed. So when a trauma first presents itself, your feelings might not be very clear about it, but your emotions are still felt in the body. So if you stay with your body sensations, they can bring you into direct contact with feelings and help you identify them it's so common for us to just be like, I feel bad, but I don't know how I feel. So when someone asks you, how are you feeling? Are you okay? You're like, I I don't even know. You know that feeling where you're just like frozen, but you know that you're not okay. That's when sitting with it, feeling it, not forcing yourself to come up with an explanation for it is usually exactly what's needed but it's the last thing that we ever think to do especially in the west because it feels too scary even sitting with our thoughts for two seconds terrifies some of us myself included before my you know exploration into my own spiritual path remember that when you're doing mother father wound yoga that you're not claiming that your memories or feelings are are the absolute, factual, unbiased truth of the past. We all remember things through our own lens. Think of it as your actual experience of the moment that is the object of your mindfulness, not your old stories or your interpretation of how your childhood should have been. You might have certain hidden misperceptions that might hinder you in moving through the mother and father wounds as a yoga practice. One error in perception is thinking that it would be possible to have been a child without having received wounding experiences. Learning to live life inevitably hurts all children. Some amount of wounding is inevitable and in a certain sense, necessary. And stay with me here because it's the severity of the trauma, the context of the wound and how it's handled that determines whether the mother or father wound leads to strength and wholeness or ongoing trauma. So let's explore that a little bit because this really kept me stuck too. This Perception error of thinking that there's a magical reality where I would have had like the perfect childhood. I remember watching Matilda and deeply connecting with the character of Miss Honey and thinking that if I would have just had a mom like Miss Honey and been in the woods and in her little cottage with her making me tea that I could have had a perfect childhood and things would have been fine. And I had to learn that no matter what, we are not in a movie. We all grew up with flawed caregivers. And I'm sure that those of you out there who are parents now, but are listening to my podcast because you're trying to heal your own wounds, you might have guilt of what you have done and that that might have impacted your children. I think we have to give ourselves a certain amount of grace because nobody's perfect and we're all at the mercy of the traumas that have come before us. And the real power comes from facing that and doing this work. And the thing is, though, also is that some amount of wounding is inevitable. Even someone that comes out of childhood securely attached with no major emotion dysregulation issues, they've had traumatizing and wounding experiences from their parents. But sometimes that wounding is to such an extreme degree that we find ourselves here listening to this podcast. Because why? Because it has led to dysfunction and disorder in our lives. Not ourselves. Notice that I say that. If you've been here long enough, you know that I don't believe that anyone is inherently disordered. But we certainly can have Behaviors and coping mechanisms that kept us safe and protected as children, that we continue in childhood, keeping repeating these karmic knots that keep us stuck, feeling awful, and like we can't move forward in our lives as adults. And that's what we're trying to do here when we're talking about mother and father wound yoga. So, first and foremost, you have to get over those misconceptions and magical thinking. There is no perfect childhood that exists. So, you might also secretly believe that your particular wound is ugly, something to be ashamed of. But ask yourself do the wounds of your friends make them any less attractive, any less worthy, any less lovable? Are you not inspired when they handle them in a courageous manner? Do you love my podcast? Do you think what I'm doing here is courageous? Why would it not be the same for you? If there's some part of you that you find unacceptable, make that the object of your loving kindness practice. But above all else, you need to watch for the misperception that without realizing it, you're wanting the past to be something other than it was. You want your Miss Honey childhood. This is the most insidious form of our wanting grasping controlling mind it is the epitome of delusion so let's talk about the four functions of mothering you can bring more clarity to your mother wound or even father wound by reflecting specifically on what mothering or fathering means to you so for example when we're thinking of mothering there's four basic functions of mothering nurturing Protecting, empowering, and initiating. And a trauma can occur in any of those. And even though they're interconnected, it helps to examine each of those things separately in order to clarify the trauma. So you can use inquiry into these four functions as a way to help you identify what you're experiencing in the moments of your daily life, as well as during a meditation practice. When you use reflection or inquiry in a way like this, you really need to be careful of getting caught in the story or lost in your thinking or slipping into a blaming or victim mindset. Practicing mindfulness, compassion, and loving kindness allows you to develop those four mothering capacities within yourself. That's what our mothers are there for is to teach us how to give ourselves nurturing, protection, empowerment, and a sense of initiation. Even though you might not have gotten that, you can nurture and create those things within yourself. And the practice of developing these inner capabilities is a slow, arduous process, but the effect is profoundly strong and you will notice it and other people will notice it in you too. Keep in mind that fathering also involves these same four functions with a few differences. But ideally, these functions are shared by both parents, with each one compensating for the other's weaknesses. So if you struggle with a trauma around your father, you can reflect on these same functions of protecting, empowering, nurturing, and initiating when it comes to making your father wound, your yoga. So reflecting on these functions will also help you understand that no woman is only a mother and no man is only a father. Mothering and fathering are done by women and men who, by their very humanness, are less than perfect in what they're able to give. So for many people, this realization is liberating on its own if you're a mother or father yourself you might discover that reflecting on these different functions allows you to be more fulfilled as a parent or that your own mother or father wound begins to heal through your experience of being a parent yourself i read about that all the time as most of you know i'm not yet a parent i have a lot of fear around becoming a parent it feels like the older i get the more and more scared I become of being a parent when I was in my 20s, I just couldn't wait to have a baby. And now I get more and more nervous because I realize how much responsibility it is. But I do hear from many listeners that having a child after they've done some of this internal work, they've realized how healing it can be to offer that Nurturing, protecting, empowerment, and sense of initiation in their own child. So let's explore each of these four functions more deeply. The first of the four functions of the mother and father is nurturing. The giving of care that allows for life. Oftentimes we will see this symbolized by mother's milk. And This nurturing encompasses meeting the wide range of physical and emotional needs a child has in order to grow and develop in a healthy and secure way. You know about a child's needs for food, shelter, health, medicine, comfort, and relatedness and socializing. A child who's not held enough can actually develop into an adult with a range of physical, and emotional difficulties, just like an inadequate diet can manifest as health problems later in life. But there's a more subtle aspect of nurturing that Philip, whose work I'm referencing here, calls nurturing with joy. And he describes this as celebrating the existence of a child as a source of delight for the one who's mothering and which manifests in the child and continues into adulthood as a sense of innate worth and spontaneous joy. So if you didn't receive sufficient nurturing in childhood as an adult, you might feel this insatiable need or an inability to take joy in other people, or maybe even lack self-worth despite you actually being confident and competent. I definitely relate to that. And these feelings might arise in your relationships as well as when you're alone or when you attempt to undertake some kind of mindfulness or meditation practice or any other type of spiritual contemplation. You might agonize over your behavior as a parent or in your romantic relationships because of these childhood wounds. You might feel like, it's just too late and that you're stuck forever, you're broken, you're fucked and you're imprisoned in this sense of inadequacy that change, transformation and success and peace is possible for other people, but not for you. You might believe your fear of being abandoned or devoured or this unquenchable neediness that you have will always define you, but never, ever, ever by This delusional story or the feelings of despair or anger that come with these stories because they're just stories and they're being created by your mind and you are not your mind. The second of the four functions of mothering and fathering is protecting. This is the instinctive and cultivated impulse to see that no physical or emotional harm should come to someone or something that is vulnerable. It's symbolized by the warrior or guardian spirit. A child needs and deserves to be protected from physical, sexual, and emotional abuse and neglect and from the threat of all of these. But ironically, the first person a child sometimes has to be protected from are its own mother and father and their own unhealed wounds their own destructive impulses their own coping mechanisms that prevent them from stepping up into this warrior or guardian spirit and these destructive impulses might take the form of excessive anger emotional instability etc those are just a couple of examples but there's a subtle aspect of protecting energy that gives the child the incredible gift of feeling intrinsically safe a feeling of being held, a feeling of trusting in life. And I talk so much about what I call the big empty on this podcast. And I am fully convinced that many of us who struggle with the mother and father wound and that didn't experience this protection instinct from one of our parents, this is what causes us to feel that floating, untethered, empty space where we're trying to cling for crumbs of love cling for stability and maybe you see people who don't have those wounds and you're like how in the fuck are you just so chill how do you feel like the world is just a great place with great people and you give everyone the benefit of the doubt it can almost be like encountering an alien when you are struggling so much with your own trauma but the reality is is that these people that you encounter likely had a parent figure that embodied a lot of these different qualities that allow them to feel this intrinsic, safe, trusting feeling in their lives and in their bodies. But unfortunately, all too often, children have to try their best to flourish, develop, and even sometimes raise themselves in a home environment that has no safety. It doesn't feel safe to them even though no overt harm is done. And that's just a second layer of the head fuck. And as an adult, this individual will often be at a loss to explain these untethered, empty, unsafe feelings that seem to plague their life. You might be, good job, have a roof over your head, have a partner that loves you. And you're like, why do I still feel like this? If you didn't receive sufficient protection as a child, as an adult, you might feel like there's no one in your corner. You might have a memory of some traumatic event or an environment that constantly pops up when you try to have moments of contemplation, meditation, or peacefulness. You might have developed an elaborate way of compensating behavior patterns for your anxieties, coping mechanisms, addictions, distractions. You might be confused about the discrepancy between your family's factual history of your childhood versus the feelings you remember having as a child. So for these reasons in making the mother wound and father wound yoga a practice that you really take on, you focus on the feelings arising right now. These feelings can be worked with. They can be released and they can be transformed. You can untie these karmic knots. You can perform emotional alchemy. The past isn't very easy to work with because it's made up of outer and inner events that are now very hazy and maybe even very hard to articulate. They're immutable. There's no magic bullet that will dissipate all this past trauma or create instant feelings of safety, but if you continually bring attention to feelings of fear, loss, and confusion as they arise and receive those feelings with compassion, they will begin to lose their grip on you. They won't have as much power. You'll have more understanding of them. And gradually you'll discover that they become Less and less frequent, they're less and less intense, and they stay around for shorter periods of time. That's healing, not magic healing. You never think about it again. The power, it's like think about a volume dial, you're just turning it down. That's how healing looks. So, the third of these four functions of the mother and father is empowering their child, encouraging and teaching interdependence and self confidence. This can be symbolized by the archetype of the king and the queen, right? A king and a queen elevate their subjects. They facilitate the beginning of their coming into their own power. The mother and father as king and queen, the idea is they use this royal power over their child with fairness, patience, generosity, and a commitment to preparing their children their subject in this metaphor, right? To become their equal or even maybe surpass them. That would be even better to the king and queen. As a young king, you would want your son to be an even better king than you. You want to teach him all you know. The ability to perform this function comes from the mother or father's own self-confidence, and love and from embracing the view that it is his or her sacred duty to empower his or her child empowering is achieved by encouraging self-reliance and providing education discipline and learning opportunities for the child you're empowered to try and so therefore you can make mistakes and you can still be fully accepted Your interests are met with enthusiasm and curiosity. The importance of joy and hard work are recognized and encouraged in your home. Failure is treated lightly, while curiosity and integrity are held in incredibly high regard. As many of you know, a few episodes ago, I did a little bit of work around exploring the mother wound through fairy tales. So when we're talking about fairy tales... When the queen or king neglects or is afraid to allow the young their power, the kingdom becomes ill and actually languishes. But in real life, this is seen in the mother or father who neglects to or is maybe even afraid of their child becoming powerful. So this is what gives rise to the host of problems developing through neglect, constant criticism, even parents who are confusingly jealous of their children, maybe not outright, but you can just feel that, or creating a sense of dependency, as in where would you be without me? You could never do this without me, that kind of thing. So sometimes because of over-identification, a mother or father is willing to empower, but insists that their child be somehow like them or succeed in ways that satisfy their own egos this could look like a father who wants his son to be the quarterback of the football team because that's what he did and go to the same school that he did or a mother who had fantasies of being an actress that never came to fruition but tries to force their child into that role when they really want to do something else In my review of Jeanette McCurdy's book, I'm Glad My Mom Died, this played out. Her mom wanted so badly to be an actress when she was young, so she forced this dream onto Jeanette, and Jeanette's true passion and calling, she realized, was writing. And if you read her book, it's giving me goosebumps now. She clearly, she's not just a celebrity who wrote a book. When you read Jeanette's book, you can feel that I have full body goosebumps. It's crazy. (laughs) Her writing was so profound. Uh, She has such a talent. And if you haven't read that book and you are specifically struggling with mother or father wounds because she also speaks a lot about her father and her father definitely took the more passive role, you have to read this book. You have to read it. So back to this over-identification, the mother or father Being willing to like throw all they have into the success of their child, but only if this success path looks like something that they want in their own ego. This is a false form of empowerment. It's a subtle form of enslavement. You might not realize that there's a difference between the functions of nurturing and protecting and that of empowering. But it's very important to understand the difference because I think this is what gives people, I'm saying the word head fuck so many times in this episode, but it's the best way to do it. It's a head fuck, right? Because if you're sitting there in your college dorm room as the quarterback of some big college football team and your dad has been the most supportive person in your life, but then you wake up and realize like, I never fucking wanted any of this. I wanted to become an archeologist. Or something, whatever, right? You can be like, God, I'm so ungrateful. I have all this success, da 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 da, right? So you have to understand this because otherwise it can again make you feel like something was wrong with you. And in reality, your parent did not take the function of empowerment in a healthy direction, they took it in a twisted direction. So with nurturing and protecting, our mother and father are doing for us where the empowering function allows us to find our own power, our own dreams through doing for ourselves. So with our mother and father's blessing, with the blessing of the king and the queen, we become independent and self-confident. So if you struggle with empowerment, then you might really struggle with anxiety, feeling like you're incompetent, You might struggle with perfectionism, like feeling like nothing is ever good enough, so maybe you don't even start. You might be unwilling to try new things. Struggles with self-confidence come out very clearly in meditation. So if you felt like you tried meditation, you downloaded Headspace, yeah, it doesn't work for me. It's probably because of this. It's feels like some kind of blessing was withheld from you and it can feel very debilitating. But with patience and practice of some of the things that I've talked about here, through this mother and father wound yoga of being fully mindful of that wound, you can learn how to give yourself the blessing of unconditional acceptance that you didn't receive. And by practicing being with these things as they are, You might discover that for your entire life, you've been secretly demanding that things be something else other than the way they are. And that has likely completely stopped you from growing and transforming. Something you might also notice is that the inner monologue that you have, which is often referred to as the internalized critical parent, your inner mother, your inner father. Maybe that voice inside your mind is always critical. It's fearful. It wants to avoid connection and change. And meditation teaches you that this voice is just thinking. It's just a voice. In Buddhism, they call this Mara. And Mara in Buddhism erodes our power through doubt, fear, and greed. And the idea is to stop identifying with this inner voice because it is not you. So the idea here is that as your self-acceptance grows, you begin to discover what needs to and can change about you, and it will begin to change. And this happens both because you have developed within yourself the power to create that change and because you've created the capacity within yourself to respond to life in a way that allows experiences to reshape the way you view your body, your mind, other people, the world itself and those things that can't change then become your yoga practice and in time you realize that when you consciously work with these things, the limitations in your life become your gateways to freedom. You start to discover that learning to disidentify with the drama of these own stories that we keep recreating in our minds finally can lead to a state of happiness and peace that's not dependent on You making the conditions of your life a certain way, making people love you in a certain way, getting your perfect Miss Honey childhood. So the fourth function of mothering and fathering is initiating. And it's the most difficult to understand. It's through acts of initiation that you come to feel Like you are a valuable and welcome member of your family. One of my favorite self-help guru type individuals. All right, everyone. That is it for today's free version of the Back from the Borderline podcast. My premium subscribers unlock the full version of this episode. I'll give you a bit of a breakdown of what we cover in the rest of the episode so you can decide if subscribing is right for you. So as we listen, you will hear the rest of my explanation of mother and father as initiator. I really move into the importance of initiatory experiences, what those look like, what they look like historically, and what the impact of the missing initiatory experiences in the West as a whole, have on us. Then, in about one hour and a half into the podcast, we explore how we can use mindfulness in more concrete ways to move through and heal the mother and father wounds. And then later in the episode, I answer a few questions from my premium submarines. So my first question is from a listener named Angelica who's struggling to decide if she needs to set boundaries with a friend. Who is further behind her in her recovery journey and maybe edging into a bit of emotional vampire territory then i take another question from caleb who can't quite figure out how to bounce back when triggers arise and then lastly we explore a question from ty who is experiencing a breakup after a nine-year relationship and is trying to figure out how to heal from the breakup While at the same time managing a co parenting relationship for her seven year old son, all while feeling super triggered by being around her ex. So, if that sounds interesting to you, I'd love to welcome you into the premium submarine community. As a newly initiated, see what I did there, premium submarine, you will also unlock over 115 hours of bonus content and archived episodes of Back from the Borderline, including all of my early BPD-related episodes, if you are curious to listen to those. You'll receive my monthly sonar system newsletter. You'll also get to engage with a group of really beautiful community members on Patreon, so if you're seeking community, premium submarines are the place to be. Premium submarines also unlock full episodes of the podcast so you will get a private rss link that you can add to your podcast player and instead of fade outs every week you will get the full version of the podcast in addition to that your support supports my work and allows me to continue doing the amazing amount of research that i'm doing and putting into these episodes so if you can you can become a premium submarine and also help me continue what I'm doing and support the people listening who can't afford to have a membership. To join, all you have to do is go to backfromtheborderline.com, click to enter my link tree, and then click the button that's second from the top that says premium submarines. And if you choose to keep listening for free, that's okay too. You can support my work by rating and reviewing the podcast sharing it with someone you care about or following the podcast on Instagram at back from the borderline. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Love you lots. There's so much content you could choose to listen to, but you chose to spend this hour and 20 minutes with me, which means a lot. Sending you big, big hugs over the airways and I'll see you right back here next Tuesday.